1: And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on The Mandalorian, future Star Wars films, and all the cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys?
2: what's up guys doing good still a little quiet on the star wars new news front lately but still excited to be recording this episode for what we're going to be talking about on this one so it should still be a lot of fun
0: yeah this is uh it's gonna be fun i haven't talked to you guys in a while it's been it's uh, i missed everybody and i I was really hoping to jump on this episode i didn't know if i was going to and i'm able to and yeah i just wanted to Quickly announced, I've, I've got a new YouTube page. If you didn't know, uh, it's the Comic Binge on YouTube. It's also a podcast, but we recently just launched a brand new YouTube page for uh, video content. Really excited about that. So check me on over there. These guys will eventually make their way over there at some point, one way or another. We'll we'll figure out something. So
1: yeah, it's definitely good to have everybody back together again. Um, yeah, we've all, this is only our third episode of the year. There hasn't been a whole. A uh, whole lot of news so far this year, but um, as we did when the news got slow last year and we did the the commentaries for the ewok films we 're going to start doing some commentary episodes and some other fun topics and stuff coming up here so uh, hopefully we should be putting out a bit more content regularly, um, starting with the uh, commentary of the Clone Wars micro series from two thousand and three um, so we 're going to do just the first volume of that today or the first season. Um, and of course we've also got a few news items to go over. So we're going to go over the news first, then we'll jump in and do our commentary of the Clone Wars micro series. Um, so if you've got, if you happen to own a copy of that on DVD, which is what we're all watching it off of, and you want to watch it along with us, go ahead and get that ready and cue it up while we're talking about the news. Um, some of you may just have to listen or I don't know, maybe you can, cause I remember I also bought these on iTunes back in the day, so you can watch along that way um although it's not going to quite be the same format because i think the dvd is the only version where it just flows you know seamlessly between episodes instead of having like a you know the titles at the beginning on every one of them um but yeah it should be fun to talk about and then of course at the end we'll kind of have a little like general discussion about that and it's been a while it's actually been a long time since i've watched these and, uh, Same here. really yeah. had a good discussion about it. So it should be fun. Um, and actually, part of the reason we wanted to do this too is we kind of wanted to do something along the lines of, uh, just going with this, the theme of Star Wars animation. Because the first uh, bit of news that we've got to talk about is that we have an official release date for the Bad Batch. It's going to premiere on Disney Plus on May 4th. Um, So last year we had the Clone Wars ending on May 4th, and this year we've got the Bad Batch starting on May 4th. So perfect timing. Um, But, you know, with a a new Star Wars animated series on the horizon, we thought it'd be fun to go back and look at um, one of the older ones um, but I'm excited for this. Of course, we've talked a lot about the Bad Batch in the past, um, and we don't really have, you know, new trailer or images or anything like that to talk about. But uh, nice to know when we'll finally be able to watch it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm hoping we get a new trailer before the series premiere. I think we probably will. Oh, but yeah, probably. Still, especially even if we don't.
1: Well, I was just going to say, especially because the the trailer that we did get back at the investor call was only labeled as like a teaser. So we still have yet to get like the Bad
2: Batch official trailer. That's true. I forgot that was kind of referred to only as a teaser. But I mean, if that was the only one we got, I mean, I necessarily wouldn't mind because it did its job as <laughs> yeah. selling just how uh-huh. great uh-huh. I think the series is going to be. So definitely glad to have a date to look forward to and to mark on the calendar when we can see the first episode. Not surprising that it is May the 4th. Uh, it is kind of cool to think about, though, how kind of you mentioned Kyle, that We got the final episode of The Clone Wars on May the 4th, and then the first episode of kind of a continuation of The Clone Wars, I'm going to say, Um, and just Star Wars animation in general premiering on May the 4th is kind of cool synchronization there to think about. But then also, too, I think in the announcement how it's going to premiere on May the 4th, which I believe is a Tuesday this year, but then the second episode and then every episode after that will be premiering every Friday, kind of like... All the normal uh, release schedule for Disney Plus, too. So, so we'll get yeah. two episodes in one week, which will be cool.
1: Yeah, that'll be nice. Which I think the same thing happened for – we got that with season one of The Mandalorian, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, it, that, that debuted on a Tuesday, and then we got the second episode later in the week.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a Tuesday and then a Friday, which is the same thing we're getting here with that yeah. Batch.
0: yeah. I wonder if they just did that because it's May 4th, but probably um, either way, it's nice. Yeah, ni- but you know what? Nice touch because I, as as Tim will tell you, we, Tim and I have kind of, we haven't coordinated all the time, but we kind of, we've always, we, we try to do something special for Star Wars Day. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, every day is Star Wars Day, right? But the thing is, when it's a special, special day, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta do gotta something celebrate. special.
3: You, yeah.
0: <laughs> you gotta celebrate in a unique way that you don't, you don't typically do. If you just say, I mean, you can do whatever you want, but for me. I don't want to just say, oh, I watched a new hope today. Like I want to do something a little more like crazy. Like one year, me and Tim watched droids cartoons. Like, like that's how we celebrate Star Wars. Yep. Games, you know? <laughs> so, something crazy like that. Like and maybe we'll have to coordinate some kind of like thing for every fun. Maybe we can do something like that for, um, you know, for us, you know, we can do like a launch or a video or something like that. We gonna do something fun where we do a big, like something unique Star Wars, you know, you know, whatever that would be. But, uh, but yeah, like I, I think those are always really fun to do. you know, it doesn't have to even be uh obviously uh films. it could be comic books, but but yeah, of which I maybe uh, I'll talk to you guys about later. I got some ideas now, anyway, uh, either way, <laughs> I, I'm excited about Bad batch, obviously, we're all huge Clone Wars fans um from this you know and we're we we're a Clone Wars podcast, God it, no, uh, <laughs> no, no, we it easily
2: podcast. could be. yeah, sometimes <laughs> we are
0: yeah, yeah, no, no, but I, I think that this is going to be. I I really am glad we're getting a legit and I want to put down resistance, but a more kind of a, just, I would say all ages uh, or more aimed at a a family instead of just saying on all ages, if that makes any sense. I don't think all ages always equals a family show. Um, I just kind of in the vein of, of the Mandalorian and the old show of the old animated series of rebels and clone wars already. And, I'm really happy we're getting that because I, I, for one, love, you know, those series and, and the Bad Batch looks like a literal extension of that. And I'm hoping it's successful because I think I, I've been pounding this table for a while. They need to do more animated TV series or not, no, excuse me, not just TV series, but films like just they don't have to, like, you know, series They do films in that same style. They can do, you know, a, you know, whatever. I mean, there's so many different things you can do with that animation style, having those resources already in their computer system and all that crap. So, I mean, I just feel that if The Bad Batch does well as they hope to be, it's not going to do as, it's not going to be as big as as The Clone Wars last season. Let's be real. It's not, it's not going to get that level. I don't think so. Maybe it will. I don't think
2: so. Uh, You're probably right. Judging by just kind of the reaction it got when it was announced it might be something i'll have to build up towards that but hopefully like you said if it's as amazing as i think it's going to be just based off the trailer i think it easily could be there eventually yeah Yeah, definitely And, and
1: i mean obviously you're not going to have the same level of of hype and uh investment in the story with something brand new as you are with something that we all you know, we're looking forward to after seven whole seasons that was building to this one moment that had then you know, gotten canceled and then come back. And you know, there was a lot of pent-up demand for that final season of Clone Wars.
0: Well, right, and that's what I'm saying. So I think that if Bad Batch is, is as successful as they, they probably are expecting, then we could see more animations. So I think if you guys want, I'm telling you, you that you pay with, you show them with your eyeballs. And if you rewatch that a bunch of times, it's going to count. Regardless, I, I think they they just want to see people. You know, a lot of people watch this, and if a lot of people watch this. There's a there's probably going to be more animated series and shows and movies down the line, in my opinion. But that's just me. What do I know?
1: Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, and I mean, I I'm sure with the possibilities of of Disney Plus and the stuff they've got at their fingertips, this probably won't be the last Star Wars animated series we ever get. But um, Uh, who knows what may come after this. I'm just excited to see what they do with the Bad Batch. So uh, less than two months to go before that comes out, and we'll all get to watch it together May 4th, and that'll be a good time. A couple other bits of news here. We've got um, a uh, piece of casting news for the Kenobi series, and I guess I had seen this going around. I thought this was maybe just a rumor, but I guess this was reported by Deadline, so this is kind of one of those, like, unofficial... Like unofficially confirmed type of things, where like it wasn't announced by Lucasfilm, but comes from a pretty reputable source. So this is probably going to happen. Um, saying that, uh, the actress Indira Varma, uh, who uh, a lot of us know from Game of Thrones, who was, um, you know, the companion to Pedro Pascal's character, um, uh, has reportedly been cast in the Obi Wan Kenobi series. Um, So, cool to see a bit of casting news for that. Um, No official news on who she's been playing, although I've been seeing a lot of people speculating uh, that it would be... I don't think this is any, like, oh, I've got an insider source saying this, but just people talking about what they think would be cool or what might be a possibility, and that uh, she could be a really good choice to play Ventress if we were to see any, like, flashback Clone Wars kind of stuff. Um, Or even if they were to somehow... Now I'm wondering... I mean, I know we got the Dark Disciple novel. I wonder if that if they're gonna consider that canon or maybe just decide to have Ventress still around during the time of the Kenobi series. Um that could be interesting as well. Um, but just one possibility that I, I think saw.
0: flashbacks.
1: Yeah, I think I think flashbacks would be the more likely option, but um
0: Yeah. I I, I actually love that. Well if if especially if the rumors, I mean, we're we're getting Anic- Anakin, we're getting Hayden Christensen and if they're going to do some kind of original tale from the Clone Wars and they're getting Hayden back, I don't think adventurous was out of the question. I think that'd be really interesting. You could easily and if if she really hits and everyone loves her, you can probably kind of fin- finagle away to either uh dark disciple you know do stories before dark disciple you know or 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 whatever i mean there's or you make you do your own version of dark disciple we've we've learned we've we've seen things in the new canon how they're able to kind of like worm their way around a little bit and people can nitpick and whatever but as long as it has the same outcome we've talked about this a lot right uh is that as long as it has the same outcome it doesn't contradict it then you can kind of live with the fact that like it's not 100 percent verbatim right
3: like mm-hmm.
0: we're gonna forgive it as long as it connects at the end and at least for the most part we're fine you know and, and you know a couple of little you know key things here or there or not even key like minor things no one's gonna we're all we're gonna get over it real fast as long as it gets to from point a to point b it's still, it still starts the same and ends the same we're fine and or you know, for, within reason obviously and so I think that as long as she, if if again, i assuming assume she's playing Ventress. So I I don't, who knows. Right. But I think that that's a very good possibility. I mean, cause she's a very charismatic uh, personality and having, you know, she's got, and she's done some physical work before, obviously in game of Thrones. So she's obviously going to, uh, to me, she, she's going to have some kind of physical role, you know, so her being playing Ventress would be interesting. And I, I would love to see Ventress on the screen for the first time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that'd be nuts and maybe it will happen. I, I think it, what's it say this? I think the, the possibility is high because the more lightsabers you put in there and the more lightsabers clashing with red lightsabers is only going to make people more excited. Even if you're not a mainstream or if you're, if you're not a hardcore star person like us, you're, you know, as a, as a casual fan, that's what they want to see. They want to see lightsabers. That is undoubtedly, you know, Star Wars, and mm. that's what Disney and maybe Lucasfilm are saying to themselves. You know what? Let's give, let's get some lightsabers in here. We need them. So put some flashbacks. So we'll see.
2: Yeah, and they've already proven too how successful bringing animated characters into live action has worked with the Mandalorian season two, in mm. played by the same voice actress in live action, then also played by a brand new actress in live action with Bo Katan and Ahsoka. So they know it can work both ways, and they're going to do that with Ventress. I mean. I have all the confidence in the world that they'll make it work. If that is the direction they decide to go, or she could just be playing a moisture farmer on Tatooine that Obi-Wan encounters and is a secondary lead to Obi-Wan and whatever he's going to be going through on Tatooine. So who knows? But kind of what you said, Kyle, at the beginning is just great to get more news about this series. That just makes you Come to realize that this is going to be happening very, very soon. That production will be starting on this series, which I know for us and a lot of people's are most anticipated of the newly announced Disney Plus Star Wars shows. So just any type of news we get surrounding it, knowing that production will be starting soon is just exciting in itself to find out about.
1: Yeah, it's funny because this kind of makes me think back to – like those early casting rumors about the Force Awakens, or when we uh, got cast, like <laughs> ca- cast announcements, and then we started speculating about, oh, this character or this person's going to be Thrawn, and this person's going to be Mara Jade, and you know they're all completely new characters <laughs> that were not tied to anything. Um, or even like the the guy who plays uh, the Swordmaster in in season three, uh, season one of Game of Thrones. Um, you know the the what do we say to the God of Death guy? Um, and he was cast in The Force Awakens and just ended up being like an extra at Maz's castle. Like, and we were all speculating, oh, he's going to be some great Jedi swordmaster or something like that. So maybe she won't even have that big a role. Um, but even if she does, like you said, it could just be some random person on Tatooine that gets involved in Obi Wan's story. Um, but but if if she, if she were to play, if she, no, if she were to play Ventress though, um, you know just because like you were saying paul i don't think it's even just about lightsabers because also like we we know that vader's going to be in this in some capacity and also of course you've got inquisitors and stuff but i also think the response to the final season of clone wars really showed them how much interest there still is in that time period and those stories because obviously when disney took over they were like, okay, time to move away from the prequel era and sort of reacquaint people with the original trilogy and then move on from that into the sequel trilogy. And they canceled Clone Wars and started Rebels. And I feel like ever since then, you know, there's been this clamoring and this section of the fandom that's really become devoted to the prequels and is like showing up big for that type of content. And so I think, um, you know, I, I think... Because with Kenobi, like, you don't have to have flashbacks. You could easily tell a good story about him and just set on... Tatooine in between episodes three and four and keep the story right there but when you're bringing Ewan McGregor back and Hayden Christensen back and you maybe have opportunities to do some cool stuff with showing bits of of Clone Wars stories in live action I think the given the audience demand and what they've seen I think that would go over really well and so that's maybe something that they might not want to pass up
0: yeah I I think you're you're on to something the only thing for me that I think that gives a little more of a chance for her to play ventress is the fact that we're probably going to get flashbacks and i like we're all talked about the clone wars being huge and everything i think it's i'm not saying it's a 50 percent chance but i'd i would i'd say a good 30 to 40 percent chance which is pretty good to be honest i think those are good odds i but like you guys all say she's probably playing some new character but i but knowing her personality and from game of thrones and just kind of you know i haven't seen her a ton of stuff but having that personality, I could see that, you know, I could see or that she could play Ventress very easily. So yeah, we'll see.
1: We shall see indeed. Um This is fun. It's been a while since we've had like wild speculation on on casting announcements with no details.
2: Um yeah. <laughs> hasn't it?
1: yeah. Uh but a couple other bits of news. It was also just announced uh a couple weeks ago. Actually, this was right after our last episode. They announced a new big crossover comic event uh focused on Boba Fett and the uh War of the Bounty Hunters, it's called, taking place in between episodes five and six. Um And actually, you know, they decided to, I guess, go in an interesting story decision here where we all assume that Boba Fett captured Han Solo in Carbonite and took him straight to Jabba the Hutt. Well, apparently in this comic, he starts out and doesn't have Han Solo, um, loses him somehow and has to track him down. And, you know, all these bounty hunters are fighting over who's going to get Han and deliver him to Jabba. So um, I know you guys are probably more invested in this than I am being the big comic book guys, but also it's written by Charles Soule and uh, he has yet to let me down with anything of his that I've read so far. So, I mean, I may wait to hear the reviews on this, and as always, I mean, if I read a comic, I'm going to wait till the trades come out. Um, So I'm sure I will have heard from you guys on this by that point anyways, but seems like it could have some potential, especially with the Book of Boba Fett coming out, and obviously there's kind of a resurgence in interest
0: in that character, so. Yeah. Well, Uh, I I think that this is... I don't know. It's it's par for the course for for comic books, and, and obviously I'm excited for it. because Boba Fett. I love Boba Fett. I love crossovers for Star Wars, and I love Star Wars comics. And and I I've, I've been waiting for the trades myself, actually, Kyle. I have I haven't been reading the besides the High Republic. I haven't been reading the uh, individual issues. I'm kind of waiting for the trades. And, oh wow! Uh, yeah, it, it's it's been really interesting. I I've been really I really enjoyed. Uh, I was behind, and I, I finally caught up with reading the trades recently. A couple of them. And I really enjoyed it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this another shot. Like, keep trying this. And I may honestly even stop with The High Republic. I don't know. But I've been buying them. I've been buying the floppies for those right now. Um, but anyway, I, I'm i really excited just because it's it's more, more attention on the comic books themselves. And I think the Star Wars comics have been pretty solid. Like, they're – even though I – When, when you
1: say that, you mean not every other page is an ad?
0: Yeah. I mean, well <laughs> – yeah. Yeah, well, but I mean, here's the problem. I mean, I I hate saying this, but Doctor Aphra is back in the my my D list again. I'm just like, ugh, come on, man. Like this, it's just not. I don't think it's a very just well written comic. It's just kind of boring. And I'm just I've tried to get into it. And and I, Simon Spurrier, I thought did a phenomenal job at the end of that. It's funny, you know, Kieran Gillen, who's a great writer, great art, you know, he's a phenomenal comic writer. Uh just you know, did I could not get into that his stories and then when Simon took over, I loved I loved it actually. I thought it was great. And then he left and now I, I picked this up again. I'm like, yeah, I'm not into this. And so besides her, I think everything's been pretty dang good, quite honest. Um I've pretty pretty impressed. So um even the High Republic comics have been pretty good for the most part. But uh but yeah, I, I think it only makes sense. You're 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 doing this. I also it kinda bums me out a little bit. I was hoping they'd kind of leave shadow of the empire era be a little bit more i wouldn't say canonized but almost like wink wink nudge nudge is kind of mm. canon <laughs> and this kind of is in the vein of that but it's not the same so it's like okay whatever it, so it's just kind of they're, they're finally rewriting or writing over that kind of era which is good I'm, I give me a definitive era and i like the idea that boba fett loses han solo and he has to get him back i think that's a really cool and interesting idea so i and to be fair and honest, I'm just glad we're getting Boba Fett stories back. Yeah. it's been way too long. Way too, time, too long. time, as yeah, we said before. You.
2: Yeah. Yeah, obviously I'm excited for it too. But kind of piggyback off what you said about Boba Fett losing Han Solo, I think that can make for an interesting, obviously, jumping off point to the series and what it's going to be about all these bounty hunters kind of going after Han again. But I just hope it's done in a way that doesn't make Boba Fett seem incompetent as far as losing him. I hope it is something where it, it does make sense where it doesn't lessen the achievement that Boba Fett got by capturing Han in the first in the first place. And so, again, with Charles Soule behind the writing of it, I have all the confidence in the world that he'll do something that makes sense and have it be a good jumping-off point for the story. But that was my only little bit of concern when I heard this, read the synopsis for it. But, yeah, just getting uh, kind of a new crossover story focused on Bounty Hunters with Boba Fett being the focus character and then kind of having this lead into the book of Boba Fett. I'm not saying that it's going to be directly tied to it, but just getting that steady Boba Fett content throughout the year is going to be really cool. Starting off with the comics and who knows, maybe he'll show up in the bad batch. You never know. And leading all the way up to his very own series in the book of Boba Fett is going to be great. So yeah, just the fact that we're getting more, more Boba Fett content this year is what I'm really excited about. So yeah, long time coming <laughs> since this whole uh, new era of Star Wars began. So it's, I hope that's finally getting its time to shine. Yeah. Again, I should say.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then uh, just a couple quick announcements as far as video games are concerned. Um, There's a new game announced called star Wars hunters um, that I think is coming to mobile platforms as well as the Nintendo switch uh, sometime in 2021. And this is um, it's from Zynga studios. uh, That's done a lot of mobile games in the past. Um, and it's uh, described as like a competitive arena combat game. So I'm wondering if this is going to be kind of something akin to like maybe a Star Wars version of Fortnite. I mean, they released a little trailer for it that doesn't really show off any gameplay or anything, but again, just kind of shows like the competitive nature. Seems it like, seems like it's going to be kind of set like in the underworld dealing with, you know, gangsters and and bounty hunters and whatever, but you get to play as like, you know, bounty hunters and soldiers and people with lightsabers and Wookiees with axes, and um, it does seem like it might be squad-based, or, you know, so maybe you team up with people and play it, but, um, I mean, they haven't released a whole lot of, like, official details yet or anything, but probably something, like, I don't have a Nintendo Switch, but I'll probably get this on my phone and try it out. I don't know if it's going to you know, be something that people seriously get into. But also, I mean, like I said, if it is a Star Wars game in the vein of Fortnite, I mean, look how popular that is. So um, this could either get crushed really quickly as just a cheap Fortnite knockoff that nobody pays attention to, or it could actually be pretty good and be uh something that's able to kind of replicate that formula and put a cool Star Wars spin on it. So who knows? Um As always with Star Wars games, I'm going to give it a shot, but this isn't... uh I don't know, nothing huge, uh, you know, groundbreaking news, uh, especially considering all the other uh, big Star Wars games that we know we have coming um, at some point down the line with like the open world game from Ubisoft and all that. But I don't know, seems like it could be fun.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, there's not not really a whole lot that got me excited about this announcement at first, cause it was announced during uh, Nintendo's direct that they had. So I thought, Oh, it's kind of be a cool new star Wars exclusive for the switch. That could be kind of cool. But when they said it was kind of a mobile game, that you're also going to be able to play on the switch and the type of game it's going to be, cause I don't, I never played Fortnite, never really had an interest to. So um, I know it's very popular, so I can understand why they want to make a star Wars kind of version of that. But I don't know, unless it gets like, Highly praised and just really great reviews. It's not going to be some I'm probably going to check out right away. But um, we'll see. Again, they didn't show very much in the trailer. But as of right now, not particularly high on my list as far as new Star Wars content that I'm excited about coming out. But we'll see.
0: Yeah, I have no real – I have no skin in the game, you could say, on this one. <laughs> well, I'll let you guys know if it's good. Um, yeah,
1: you'll
2: let us know about the game. We'll let you know about the comics.
1: <laughs> now, speaking of games that we know are good, uh, also Star Wars Republic Commando is coming onto PlayStation and, and Nintendo Switch uh, on April 6th. Or I guess, um, yeah, it's coming to both of them on, on April 6th. Um, so that's right around the corner. Um, and that's pretty cool because I think they already re-released this on Xbox um, yeah. a while ago. Like, it's it's available as a digital download on there. Um I mean it's not, I don't know if I like I have it and it's been a while since I've played it but I don't even remember if it's like a remastered version or if it's just backwards compatible but this is the first time that it's coming to any platforms other than Xbox and PC so um yeah, it was you're... definitely remastered a bit. Okay. Yeah, like well, I said, it's
2: upscaled, I should say, not like a full-blown remaster but they upscaled the graphics.
1: Well, for for the the current Xbox version
2: yeah, the Xbox One.
1: Okay, okay, yeah, because I know this is coming from Aspire, who um, also did like the the recent um, remasters for uh, like Episode One Racer, um, and they've done a lot of other um, re-releases. I just wasn't sure if they had also done the Xbox One. So, um, but yeah, def- Like I said, it's this is pretty cool. If you. Um, are a long time PlayStation or Nintendo gamer, and you've never gotten to try out Republic Commando. Uh, Definitely one that's worth checking out. Um, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty short campaign, but a really cool story and lots of cool clone action. Um, And you'll get to see what all the hype around Delta squad is about. So uh, yeah, (laughs) that's, that definitely comes with a a good recommendation from us.
2: Yeah. Just be mindful of the different voices for the clones. That's the only thing you got to really get over. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um,
1: And then last but not least, uh, in a bit of unfortunate news from um, Del Rey Star Wars uh, Twitter account talking about some upcoming Star Wars books, we had known that there was supposed to be an official Mandalorian tie-in novel at some point that was going to tell an original story. That has now been canceled, um, and there was also going to be like an official Mandalorian visual guide or visual dictionary um, that has also been canceled, and those are no longer being released at this time. Um, And we were kind of speculating about this before the show when we were kind of talking about it. And I would have to assume this has something to do with the Gina Carano firing. Um, The statement that they put out just says, at least uh, regarding the novel, it says, due to the ever-expanding world of The Mandalorian, we will no longer be publishing The Mandalorian original novel at this time as the story continues to unfold on screen. Um, But obviously, you know, the, the people have still been talking about the Gino Carano firing and the the possibilities for the future of Cara Dune and what they might do with that character. I still would love for them to just recast and continue on with that character and her storyline, but it sounds like that might not be the case. I've actually heard some ru- some rumors that, um, you know, obviously she was supposed to be the lead in the Rangers of the New Republic, but that they might just replace her with and Dula. I don't know if there's any credibility to those rumors. I actually would be totally okay with that too because seeing Hera in live action would just be freaking awesome and that would also be um pretty fitting just for the story and the time period it would make sense to have her show up um but I would have to assume that I don't know necessarily about the visual dictionary because I mean if they really are trying to distance themselves and like not have not put out any Cara related stuff like we heard that um Hasbro was like pulling her action figures and stuff um so as far as the visual guide goes you could just take out the couple of pages that would have her on it um i don't know why you would need to scrap the whole book for that but if she was going to play a big part in whatever original story this novel was going to tell um i could see that maybe being a reason why they would just scrap this um they did say that they're still excited to work with the author adam christopher who was uh scheduled to write it so maybe he'll work on another mandalorian project in the future Um, Or They do say they're already working with him on a different Star Wars book, Um, but they don't specify if that's Mandalorian related or not. So who knows if they're just going to like scrap it and start over and it's going to be a different Mandalorian story or if he'll end up writing something completely different. But um, unfortunately, I mean, and and again, there's no confirmation that this actually has to do with uh, the Gina Carano thing, but it seems to me like this is probably just another unfortunate
2: casualty of that whole situation. Yeah, you just couldn't help but think about it when you saw that announcement. At least I did, too, as far as I wonder if there's more to it than what they were saying in the official statement. Yeah, which is a shame because it's like those one of the things I was kind of worried about the whole thing as far as the character kind of just being completely ignored and gone away with, like not being able to separate the actress's actions from the actual character. Which I was hoping they would do, like you said, kind of just recast and continue to tell stories with Cara Dune, but kind of moving on from Gina Carano. But if that's if this is indeed the reason why, and we'll probably never know officially, but I don't know, it seems like something that they're just trying to move on from the character completely. So uh yeah, we'll see what happens yeah. moving forward. But obviously if they're sticking to what they say about not doing anything in the Mandalorian until uh because the series is ever expanding. It's gonna be a while till we get any Mandalorian supplementary uh, content as far as books and uh, encyclopedias or comics or whatnot until the series is over. Now, if they're they're truly gonna stick to what they say, so which is kind of unfortunate. Also,
0: it well, and it sounds like if if that's the case, which let's be real, it probably is what happened. It's too convenient that all of a sudden that she she gets fired and all these things get canceled. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't think so. I think what that means is they're retooling a lot of different things to make this work. And that means they have to like now go and maybe retool some backstories a little bit. And that's going to, that's obviously going to affect the everything of the Mandalorian. So what I, what I'm hoping is, is that they prioritize um, along with this Boba Fett comic book series I, I, to me, a five-issue miniseries of The Mandalorian do a story that's set, like, what, a year before or whatever, a, a couple months before he meets Baby Yoda or Grogu or whatever, and you do a, a fun little, like, story about him doing a bounty, um, to me, would be would be su- sufficient and uh, it would be fun and put a good, like, writing and art team on there. I think you would, again, you'd, you'd kind of satisfy a lot of people waiting for more Mandalorian stories and you can pump that out pretty quickly, you know, with the right pitch and things like that, or right ideas. So I think that you can easily do that as far as novels and things like that. Yeah. It's a little bit different. You know, you kind of yeah. have to, you can't, to me, I feel a comic book, you can kind of launch that pretty quickly. I mean, I'll, I go back to um, the, the, the rise of Kylo Ren, that series I, I thought was more in the, in the works and they just couldn't announce it. From what I understand, that was actually like a lot, la- almost like a last minute thing. And, uh, like Charles Soule got the, got the stuff and was like, okay, let's go. I don't, you know, I'm writing this and he wrote it. And then, you know, with only like six months before the first issue dropped or something like that, it was not a lot of lead time. So I guess what I'm saying is you don't need a lot of lead time for making a comic book. And I think if you, as long as you have a structure, which John Favreau must have a structure, you know, just think of a story that's not to contradict anything. That's fun. Pitch, you know, give it to a writer to have fun with, with an artist and go, go crazy. And I don't think, I think everyone's going to eat that up. So that's what I think they need to do, kind of get some supplementary supplementary material.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what comes of all this. I'm sure, you know, with the success of The Mandalorian, I'm sure we'll eventually get some tie-in novels or comics or something at some point. Um, But yeah, like you said, this probably just shook a lot of things up and they're trying to have to kind of figure out where they stand. And obviously the screen stuff comes first, so um unfortunate that this book ended up getting canceled because of it but um i don't know we'll we'll just see what other stories we end up getting down the line um but that is it for the news so you guys ready to jump back into some old school clone wars
2: oh yes (laughs) This
1: episode has been a long time coming talking about this yeah, series. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um so as I said, we all own this on DVD copies which are now out of print, so you know, which if we you could say
2: Blu-ray copies. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: yeah, or Disney no Plus, you know, Disney Plus streams, yeah. so it would make a nice addition, but um yeah, so if you happen to have a copy from back in the day and you want to watch it with us, of course, we've skipped past the uh, you know the Fox Home Video and the FBI warning and all that stuff. So we're on Title One, Chapter One, at zero out of one hundred nine. Again, we're just doing uh, season one of the micro series for right now. We'll do season two and another episode. Um, and of course, this when it originally released, it was like twenty separate episodes that were all like three minutes each. Um, but it's all strung together on the DVD, so it's like an hour and nine minutes. So this will be. Um, you know, pretty short as far as our commentary episodes go. But I'm looking forward to this. Uh we all got it queued up and you guys ready to go? Oh yes. All right. Well, in the uh grand fashion tradition of the star of the saga continues, we'll go on punch it. So uh ready to start in three, two, one,
2: punch it. I always like this short intro to just kinda of like that transmission style. Yeah. Control of the title card. Yeah. different.
1: And you know, it's funny. So right here with this uh, opening scene, um, you know, of course, you got the little silhouette of Yoda and then he lights the lightsaber and the whole clone army comes in behind him. And the music that they play – and there's obviously some original music in here, but this came out like right after Attack of the Clones. And so there's a lot of Attack of the Clones music in here. But I think the music in this scene right here is – I think it's the it's one of the Jango Fett tracks from the Attack of the Clones soundtrack. I think it's the the one where he's chasing Obi Wan through the asteroid field. Um, but this music always makes me think more of the Clone Wars micro series than it does of <laughs> Attack of the Clones because I watched this so many times back in the day, and just you know when it, just that cool opening shot of just Yoda alone in the field, and then as soon as he lights the lightsaber, that music kicks right in. That just that's sort of the most iconic use of it in my mind. Yeah, also I also love, love the shot this. too of the Clone I, Troopers. Yes, yeah. the, from, the, uh, from Jobim. Um, yeah. I think that's where that's supposed to be, which that's still maybe my favorite Star Wars comic of all time, The Last Stand on Jobim from the no, uh, no, such a great Dark yeah. Wars Clone Wars comics back in the day. Yeah, I love that whole
2: Republic series. That was so good. You read yeah. comic
1: books? I, I read a lot of them back in the day. You'd be surprised. Just Clone Wars and Knights of the Old Republic. That's pretty much it.
0: I, I, well, I am surprised. So you're right.
1: Yeah, um, no, I think. And again, I would just get the the trade volumes, um, especially because I got into those comics like years after they'd been out. But I think there were like maybe nine volumes of those old Dark Horse comics that took place in between I episodes them recently. two and three. And I think I had I owned maybe like six or seven of them. I didn't complete the whole set, but um, yeah, there were a few of them that were really good. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, I uh, actually rebought them recently. Um, I, I have done commentaries for this before, um, long time ago, with Star Wars with Friends, and I'm not sure if, if I've said it on this show. But um, I actually, when this first came out, I, you know, this is when VCRs were still a thing in in, in TiVo, and I, yeah, so, I was, yeah, and I was so in and out of my of the house I was living at um, with my parents because I was, you know, trying to play music and never wanted to be home and I could not find a time to watch these. And it wasn't until I was visiting one of my best friends in the world, Dave Valdez, AKA father's figures years ago, I was visiting his house. Um, and he had recorded all of them on a VCR, um, in, in the, in order. And I, I was able to actually sit down and watch them all. Finally, you know, later, I think I was visiting him later, later that summer and it just blew my mind how good this was. I, I could not believe how good this was. And, I remember I could not wait to buy it on DVD because I knew it was happening back when Disney, you know, or not Disney, but when things were on, on physical media and it was fun to collect things, Disney, wink, wink.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> and, uh, you know, I I could not wait to pick this up and and watch it over and over and over and over and over again. Oh, man, I did. I watched the crap out of this. And yeah, yeah I, 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 it was it was it's interesting because I just at the time of my life, I just could not invent, I could not sit down and give this what I wanted because it was a hard I didn't know when it was on. It was hard to figure out for me. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, because so. this, this would be
1: on, on Cartoon Network and they would just show, you know, again, these little three minute episodes like in between half hour episodes of their other shows. Um yeah, exactly now I'll say for me, I never watched this when it was on TV because I think at the time like we just had, you know, the most basic cable or whatever and didn't even get Cartoon Network. And so I remember having friends that would talk about it um, and I never saw it until, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't remember what first, like, piqued my interest or turned me on to it, but I got the DVDs, it must have been the year Revenge of the Sith came out, um, because I, I don't think I got both at the same time, I think I got season one and then season two, but I got them both, like, around the same time, like, I might have got one for my birthday and one for Christmas, um, you know, in those months following, uh, Revenge of the Sith coming out, um, so I never saw them while they were on TV for those couple of years, but, you know, got into it shortly after, and my first introduction to it was just watching it on DVD, Um, but yeah, I I love this stuff, I love the animation style, I love just the action of it, obviously, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this as far as the overall story goes, like, I think by now we can all agree that the the Dave Filoni Clone Wars is better just because it's gone for so much longer. It got to go into so much deeper storylines, um, just it being a half-hour format. And this is obviously just more kind of stylized and action-packed, and it's real quick. But I remember for those first couple of years of Clone Wars, a lot of people still would claim that this was better. Um, and I took to the, the Filoni Clone Wars pretty quick. I'm just going to call it Filoni Clone Wars because, you know, rather than... 2003 versus 2008 or 2d versus 3d but um you know i i I thought right from the get-go that i liked what they could do with that longer format with the storytelling but i've always thought that just the stylized animation and the cool short little stories
2: they they told with this were really fun yeah this was a big deal because i did watch them as they aired and premiered on cartoon network and just getting star wars on tv this was kind of really the first time for me getting that i mean i was a little too young with the droids and the ewok animated series but getting this one even though they were shorts it was a big deal (laughs) to kind of get new star wars content on tv in animation it was just really cool and despite them being so short i just couldn't wait every day to get them it was funny just going back to a little bit of the space battle we got um where they would actually have preview clips of the next episode and just giving how short each episode is already. The clips would be like five seconds and uh, they'd go by so quick. And one of them for the second episode was that class of spaceships going at each other this episode. It was just like five seconds and you're just like, what the it's over already. <laughs> it's just crazy how things were back then and how things were put out and now how different they are now. And just, I am glad that these DVDs put them all together as one long story. That's not my wish kind of the Clone Wars, the Filoni Clone Wars Blu-rays would do, or just have an option where you can just watch one arc all the way through. But speaking of big deals, Mm. this episode right here was a big deal, focusing on the Clone Troopers. I mean, just coming off the heels of Attack of the Clones and just seeing how awesome they were in their introduction in that movie i couldn't wait to see more of them in particular episode three before we knew about the series but getting this episode focusing all about the clones kind of like their black Hawk down story right here and it was just awesome to see them with this they didn't say a lot even the voice actor it's not the bradley baker and it wasn't really making an attempt to sound like timmy or morrison either but they still had a cool voice effect too but i just love everything about how the clone troopers were done in this episode of this it's on display right here as we're watching i just love this whole episode and this whole sequence here
0: well i think right here is where i to me this is where the clones i think became they came into their own right here to be quite honest i think attack of the Clones that's fair was yeah such a, that was such a um you know, just a, I'm not going to say they were derivative because they were supposed to be to emulate the uh, the, the coming of stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. They're like the precursors. Right. And, and that was evident. So they, you're just like, OK, cool. You introduced a, a, a different form of stormtrooper. George, thanks. I mean, like, again, I'm the same from a very I think most people, including myself to an extent, not to like a super negative extent. But I was like, OK, they look like stormtroopers, but they look kind of like Boba Fett. I get it. But I think this was more in line where, oh, wait a minute, this is different. Like they have the different colors and and I went, okay, I understood more of what these, these clones were and these art troopers and all this, this made me go, okay, I get where they're going now. Yeah. I get what George was <laughs> going. And I think this, yeah, this to me is where I fell in love with the clones or I started to fall in love with them, you know, with essentially what was right here. And we got a little bit of that in Revenge of the Sith, but obviously in, in, in context, I didn't I didn't see Revenge of the Sith yet. So seeing this before was like, okay, clones are rad. And then you get to see an extension of that in Revenge of the Sith makes you fall in love with them even more. But I will say to see you know, the, them as clones in the, in the first film in the, or in Back of the clones, it's not as exciting. This is the first time you get to see it in, them in kind of a unique way, and it's very exciting and awesome.
1: Yeah, and this made me fall in love with not just the clone troopers, but the ARC troopers in particular, because, I mean, you see the big army of clone troopers just out on the front lines fighting the droids, and then you see that these guys are the special ops unit, and it's funny because, I mean, I feel like in different Star Wars stories, we keep seeing different iterations of this. Like, I think And this kind of did it first with the ARC Troopers, and then, of course, in Republic Commando, you've got the Republic Commandos, and then in Clone Wars, you have uh, ARC Troopers and Republic Commandos, but then now we've also got the Bad Batch. Um, So just these different variations of, like, the Special Forces units um where you know these guys are the ones that go on the dangerous missions and go behind enemy lines and get the job done and can you know jump inside the enemy tank and blow it up from the inside and all that stuff but yeah just with the cool like the the colored armor and the specialized weapons and the squad tactics i thought those guys were just the coolest yeah
2: i was like give me a whole series based on these clone troopers right here (laughs) Little yeah. did we know back then, but we kind of came pretty close to that with some amazing arcs. <laughs> with yep. The
1: Art. yep. And like I said, now we're going to get a whole series about a, a special unit of yep. clone troopers <laughs> um, Now, of course we get to Mon Calamari, which this is, you know, just a little side story that's thrown in here, um, which, I mean, they kind of do this, like the the main, I guess, I guess if you would say, if there was a main storyline throughout this season, it's kind of that battle on Munilance that we just started out with there. Um But then they jump around to some different side stories. And this one with Kit Fisto. This was uh, definitely my favorite of, like, the one-off episodes or the little side stories. Because you get the ones later with, like, Padme and Mace Windu and stuff. Um, But I remember when I was watching these back in the day, like, this was probably my favorite single episode out of this whole thing. I just thought this was the coolest thing, seeing clones in scuba gear, like, underwater droids. Kit Fisto with the lightsaber and, like, just how the lightsaber looks underwater. This is just something... like a a completely different type of Star Wars battle that we had never seen before. And I thought, and plus, I mean, Kit Fisto just has a cool design and, you know, he was fun to see in Attack of the Clones, but seeing him really in his amphibious element here. And then, of course, what we'll see in a a minute here, him using different types of force powers and manipulating the force underwater to create these, like, you know, big bubble, like energy bubbles and stuff. Um, I just, I love the imagination of this.
2: And I forgot how cool looking those Clone trooper scuba gear <laughs> armor is. It looks really cool with the black paint and the tanks that they have on yeah. the backs. It looks awesome. I'm trying to remember for the Mon Calamari arc that we got in the Filoni Clone Wars series. Did the Clone Troopers, uh, for some reason, I want to say did they still have that s- similar coloring where like the the black paint on them or were they... I a don't remember.
1: I know they did have some variation of, like, scuba gear. I would honestly have to go back and look. It's been a while since I've watched those episodes.
2: Same here, yeah. But and obviously that took that. a
1: lot of inspiration from this, too. Even having, uh, you know, Kit Fisto be part of that battle as well and having him swimming around shirtless and everything. Um, and the the conflict between the Quarren and the Mon Calamari. In fact, I think... I'm trying to remember if the, like, obviously this stuff is considered non-canon, but I, I forget if in the Clone Wars, uh, in the Filoni Clone Wars series, if they mentioned that being like the second battle of Moncala. Um, I feel like there might have been some reference that made it seem like, basically like this version of it could still kind of be canon. um, Like it wasn't the first time that they had battled there. But yeah. I'd, have to go, I'd have to go back and watch it again.
2: Yeah, I think that's an argument I have to revisit soon to, to find out about the cloak, armor, and the dialogue.
1: Yeah, but obviously, that trademark kit fisto smile. And yeah. then I, <laughs> I wanted to mention this earlier just when you see that shot at the very beginning um, of Anakin lifting off on his ship on Coruscant and like watching Padme as he leaves. I love that Jedi starfighter. Um, you know, just with the the blue and white stripes, that's kind of reminiscent of his pod racer. But just the way that Anakin has tricked it out with like the beefed up engines and laser cannons and stuff that that particular Jedi starfighter is still like one of my top three favorite Star Wars ships.
2: Yeah, it is a really cool design, but. Got something that would be nice to see in live action. Uh-huh. <laughs> it may be one of those flashback Kenobi sequences. I was, I was,
1: al- it was always one of my biggest disappointments that we never got to see it in the 3D Clone Wars series. I'm guessing it's probably, you know, maybe just a design that George wasn't crazy about, um, or he figured, you know, since Anakin's a Jedi Knight now and we're getting closer to Revenge of the Sith, he wanted to have the yellow ship to, you know, go with like the yellow one that we see in Revenge of the Sith, but um i don't know, i would have loved to see more of that i remember when uh they came out with a lego set of that ship a few years ago and i swear to you i have never snatched a toy off a shelf faster in my life because <laughs> it was this that must have been back in like i don't know 2014 15 when that came out um and i remember just seeing the announcement of it you know there was like a wave of of uh lego ships that they announced and I just remember scrolling through the pictures just kind of casually because, you know, I'm not a huge Lego collector. And I saw that Jedi Starfighter in there and my jaw hit the floor. And then I remember just going to uh, going to look for it at a Walmart one time. I was on my way home from somewhere and decided to just stop at Walmart and take my chances and see if they had it yet. And I was combing the shelf, combing the shelf. And I saw it and I snatched that thing so fast I almost punched a hole through it.
2: <laughs> Damaged it before you even opened it. <laughs> Yeah, we get our first look at Dirge.
3: Mhm. Uh-huh.
2: He was always a cool-looking design, I thought, right off the bat when I saw him. But then when we get to that chapter where he fights Obi-Wan, some of the stuff he could do was pretty cool. But just his design in general was awesome. And correct me if I'm wrong, but he did—he was created for this first. Right? I know he appeared in some comic stories later down the line, but I want to say this was his first appearance.
1: I believe it was, yeah. Um... It's hard to tell though, because I mean, there was so much it's kind a of comic,
0: I think, well, there Is was, it? so
1: there was so much kind of interconnectivity yeah. between, you know, the, like this yeah. Clone War stuff was obviously a, a big multimedia project, um, in between episodes two and three. And I'm sure the, you know, the artists working on like this stuff and the comics and the novels were all kind of collaborating, um, because I, th- I think this series was the first appearance of Ventress as well, but obviously, like, she was originally designed as a, a potential villain for Episode 2, so it's kind of hard to say, like, where that origin. I mean, obviously, that's where it originated from. I don't remember exactly where she officially made an appearance first, but I think it might have been in this.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, I, I'm pretty sure I read a weird thing that Dirge did appear. either It's either a comic or a book, one of the two. I, For me, I... Was not a huge fan of the character. I, he's my least favorite character. I think in this whole Clone Wars thing, actually, I don't. I think he's too OP. If in my opinion, it's just it's he's weird. Yeah, I kind of know what
2: you mean. But then Obi Wan still wasn't Obi Wan could handle his OP, so to speak. If you yeah I mean, yeah, you know you know I, mean.
3: I, mean, I mean obviously there's a lot of
1: old. there's a lot of stuff in this that's over the top, and so they kind of had to give Obi Wan like true. an OP, like, <laughs> enemy to fight.
0: That's a good point. This uh this intro to Sage Ventress, man. I I am so so confused why George didn't put Asaj Ventress in the prequel trilogy, like actual prequel trilogy. She's such a great character.
1: Yeah. And
0: obviously he liked her enough to bring her in multiple times in the continuity, right? So it's just weird to me that he didn't try to put her in the Attack of the Clones, originally or whatever, Good morning, guard. Um, so I don't know. It's it's just weird to me. It's just weird to me. I I, I love, but I love Asajj Ventress a lot. Yeah,
3: yeah this I do is a too.
2: great introduction to her character.
1: Yeah, this whole I, sequence right here. This is another highlight of this whole first season for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I loved her character all throughout all this original Clone Wars stuff that came out in between episodes two and three. I know a lot of people said that like, they didn't really care that much about her character. And then when she had her arc in the newer Clone Wars series, where you find out she's from Dathomir and and all that kind of stuff. And they really start um, kind of developing her story arc and her personality more. People are like, Oh, I never really cared about the character before. Um, But now, you know, now I'm more invested, but man, I, I was a fan from, this stuff right here. I thought she was so cool.
2: Yeah. I mean, how can you not be after (laughs) what she shows off here and her abilities against this big arena fight right here? And just even sneaking up on Dooku kind of in that costume sitting right by him and Dooku knows it's not, it's really her, but he does praise her stealthiness and the ability to infiltrate. Uh But then we see what she really did here. Now, yeah. Were you guys kind of familiar with the Genndy Tartakovsky animation style with any of his previous shows before this? Or is this kind of your first exposure to his animation style?
1: I think – well, because I know the other thing he's mainly known for is Samurai Jack, and I hadn't seen that. But what else has he done besides that?
2: Because I was actually just familiar with more of his – Earlier comedy cartoon network shows like Dexter's Laboratory that was my own okay. my favorite of his
1: okay yeah yeah I so I had seen some of I forgot that he did that one as well but I knew there was some other one that he did um like I had seen Dexter's Laboratory but for me I think and and I'm not like super familiar with it because I I still haven't seen Samurai Jack but I know this is the one that people like compare it to the most in terms yeah. of it just being sort of stylized and like action packed and stuff like that. Um, but having seen Dexter's Laboratory as a kid, like I didn't watch this and go, oh, this is the same same animation style as Dexter's Laboratory. So um, that wasn't like a big connection for me.
2: But his animation style did work really well with Star Wars, I got to say. Yeah. You know, how stylized as it is, I think it fits really nicely to the universe. Yeah, definitely. I did... I... I'm sorry, go ahead, Paul.
0: Uh, really quickly, I-, I personally didn't really watch those cartoons. I I had just missed the boat. I was in high school i think when they first came out and i've always i've always watched them on a from a distance and i liked it but but I never i never was like i love these shows i heard samurai jack is amazing and i've always wanted to go back and uh, watch it but um but yeah i i i i like the style i like the style it's not my favorite but i think it works for star wars but Mm -hmm. i think star wars is so universal that it doesn't need Star Wars doesn't need have one definitive style. It can have many different styles. I think that's what makes Star Wars so great. It's not one thing. It's so many different things. And and that's goes to credit to George for not, I think allowing that to happen, meaning that he pushed for different things all the time. So we could get things like this and it doesn't come across so jarring. Yeah. You just to kind of accept it. And I think this is a great example of that, which I don't, I'm not sure if Disney's done a great job or not, from that but at least you know George has set him up to where they don't have to worry about it as much because of things like this
2: mm-hmm. and I forgot they actually had a duel in this because I knew about uh, the whole arena battle then Dooku takes her out with the force lightning but I forgot about this lightsaber duel they have
0: I yeah. lo- I lo- there's a part coming cool. up here where he like has the the bedding or whatever like uh dot, like block her right here
2: mm-hmm. he oh yeah. it's <laughs> <is> cool. so
0: <laughs> rad <laughs> ah so good
2: I just the inventress with the blue and green lightsabers yeah. is kind yeah. too. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen that. Which is
0: supposed
1: to be – it's like her lightsaber and her masters because, you know, her – like in the micro series in the comics, she has the same – basically the same backstory that they gave her in the yeah, Filoni Clone series yeah. where she was uh, like orphaned on this planet where there was a lot of war and chaos and stuff and she was taken in by a Jedi master and they go around basically trying to – stop all the fighting and, and unify the planet. And then he gets killed and uh, she turns to the dark side and ends up becoming a warlord herself and basically like conquering the whole planet. Um, Which that was like the EU version of the backstory. So a little bit different from, um, but from the official version, but and obviously, Lucas- obviously she's not a night sister, but.
0: But Katie Lucas went in there and did a great job of incorporating a lot of that into there. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. And made an emphasis to do it. Man, I, I love her episodes so much. I'm so bummed that Katie Lucas isn't involved in Star Wars. Straight up. Like, that's... I gotta say it. Because yeah. I, every every interview I read or read or saw with her on the, on the Clone Wars series and her episodes, I'm like, dang, she gets it. She's family. It just bums me out that she because i think she could have done some great stuff man cuz like again I, the reverence she took to those uh cartoons and or those stories and and wanted to make sure like she incorporated those things was like really i thought was really cool and i just it just bums me out we never got more and you know i know I'll be honest it sounds like star wars fans were or awful star wars fans were part, part of that problem because i guess even back in back in the day uh, when she was writing, that she got lots of like nasty comments, and was like, "No, what, I'm out of here," and bolted from like social media. This, is sad. this <laughs> yeah. Is sad. Yeah, yeah. Because her episodes are some of the best. Like, yeah, they're know. fantastic. Speaking of fantastic,
2: God, I <laughs> this, love this. This battle, man. Star this, Wars. Talk about just, something unique and different. Star Wars yeah. I like, jousting. I remember it might have been one of the documentaries, the bonus features on here, how. I don't know if it was Gendi Tartakovsky or one of the animators or writers on it, but just how when we're thinking about battles for the Clone Wars, what would they be like and referring to the Jedi as their title being knights. So they would picture, you know, it would be cool, kind of like an old school medieval knight battle where they have javelins and jousting and all that stuff. And it works as yeah. we're seeing it on display right here. It's really cool. And the first time seeing Obi-Wan in clone trooper armor, which kind of became his thing throughout the early seasons of the Filoni Clone Wars too uh-huh. just become a cool look for the character.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, this battle's so cool too. <laughs> yeah, I I mean you talk about how cool it looks like clone troopers with spears on the speeder bikes. The only thing cooler than that is a Jedi Knight, you know. And I mean obviously we've yeah. seen like well I guess, no, I guess I guess this actually is the first time we've seen somebody with a lightsaber on a speeder bike cuz Luke in um Return of the Jedi, he doesn't use his lightsaber until after he gets off it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, of course, yeah, that's just such a cool moment where he sticks the lightsaber right through Dirge, and you're like, oh, Obi-Wan won, and then he just starts laughing and pummeling him.
2: the lightsaber's still in him, too. Yep. <laughs>
1: such a nice touch. <laughs> I think I remember reading, too, they initially... We're gonna use Dirge in the newer Clone Wars series. Um, yeah, they they originally had ideas for using him, and that eventually became Cad Bane instead. Which honestly, I think was a smart move because who doesn't love
2: oh, Cad
0: Bane? Yeah, oh, because <laughs> Cad Bane's one thousand times cooler than this guy.
2: It makes he makes for a really cool battle, though. <laughs> yeah, some of
1: the tricks he has. But again, I I do think you know just with how like. Big and powerful, he is, and then you know, his whole weird alien thing. Um, I think he's better suited to something that's a little more over the top, like this.
2: I, uh, yeah, I can see that. Of course, he's not dead yet. Yep,
1: it is kind of funny how like the speeder bikes have like clone trooper visors on the front.
2: well it's kind of hard not to make everything look like that cool clone trooper armor yeah (laughs) and it's not even the phase two armor yet it is kind of strange too a little bit going back and watching this well a show featuring obi-wan clone troopers anakin and clone troopers and yet no commander or captain rex (laughs) that's true
1: We do get uh, Commander Cody in Season 2, though.
2: Yeah. I remember always, it's only from the Republic comics, but that character Alpha, who pretty much became Rex in the Clone Wars series, where I believe they pretty much named him Alpha, but the only reason they changed it was because they didn't want too many main characters that where their names began with a yeah. Anakin, Ahsoka alpha, <laughs> which to me is kind of a strange reason to change that. But you know, I wouldn't change anything about Rex <laughs> looking back on it. Yeah, now, absolutely. So.
1: Especially cause I think alpha also was a little bit more of like a tough guy. Like, I mean, not that Rex isn't tough. I mean, all the clone soldiers are, are pretty, you know, battle hardened, but, um, alpha was like a no nonsense. Like the Jedi said this, but I'm going to do this kind of guy. Um, so I, I think, you know, they it's not exactly the same character anyways, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's I think Rex has totally become his own thing where it's like I can't see him being anything
2: else. Yeah. Now we get to really some of the overtop stuff with dirge, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: this is and again, I, you guys brought up a great point about how this is. All over the top because of the again the stylized idea. Like this is just it's awesome, but it's also ridiculous. It's <laughs> yeah. just like uh, it's like I don't know how well
1: this works for like canon Star Wars, but it works for a Star Wars cartoon.
0: Well, it, specifically this style, I don't think yeah, this yeah. works in. I don't think this works in the Dave Filoni
3: Clone
1: No, works no, though. no. Yeah, yeah. When I say cartoon, I'm specifically talking about like two D animation, like this stylized two D like cartoon network in the afternoon after school, not like yeah, not the Clone Wars animated series or something like that. Cause I don't even really refer to like Clone Wars and Rebels as cartoons. Um I don't know, to like I know they're all animated series, but I don't know, to me a cartoon is a little more again, just lighthearted and stylized and fun and not so serious in its storytelling.
2: I did like that little bit of dialogue in between Obi-Wan and the clone trooper where Obi-Wan just trying to be funny. He's like, looks like I created quite the mess here. The clone trooper just always following orders of Jedi. Just like, yes, sir. sir." Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like there's another little exchange coming up when Anakin flies by and he's like, that's not one of ours. No, sir. That was Anakin.
0: Yes, sir. (laughs) Yeah. That was so
3: good.
2: (laughs) It just makes you think, too, how this is kind of what they envision the clone troopers to be just kind of the Mindless soldiers always following orders, but then taking on the more different personality traits, which no one really expected um, for the clone troopers to develop. And even though it's not this is not Canada, it does fit nicely into that progression of the clone troopers. And if this is like really early at the start of the clone, the clone wars, and this is how they were like, but yet developed into what we come to see them as later on with their different personalities later in the Filoni series.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll get to that a little bit more when we get to season two talking about how sort of how these two series I think kind of can still fit together, even though obviously yeah. this one is not <laughs> canon, but um but I think you know there's a way you can kind of work it in your mind if you want to. Definitely.
2: And again, this is this falls more into volume two, and we'll probably talk about that a lot more, but I do appreciate how. Even stuff that we've gotten in The Siege of Mandalore, how they did little nods and winks here and there to – if you wanted to, you can make the pieces fit together of these stories or certain aspects of these stories taking place at the same time. But again, that's a discussion for later on.
3: Yeah.
1: But again, just this whole ship sequence here. I mean just the sound of the engines on this thing that it even sounds like Anakin's pod racer. Um, and again, I mean, obviously this is over the top too, like him being chased alone by a squad of like a hundred, uh, Ocean fighters and, uh, you know, not getting taken down and just some of the maneuvers he's pulling and stuff, you know, this is obviously very stylized and over the top as this whole micro series is, but I just love this stuff.
2: A little strange though, that he doesn't have R2, him. Right,
1: yeah. Well, I think because... This is like the um, these earlier models of Jedi Starfighters have the astromechs built right into them. Mm, OK. Oh, and also you see, too, in um, I think you see in season two where Padme gives him R2. Mm,
2: that's right. I, so yeah, she, I kind of forgot about that. So yeah. she
1: She still has R2 at this point.
2: One thing we haven't talked about yet with the series, though, is the voice actors from it and how this was our first introduction of to James Arnold Taylor as Obi-Wan, uh-huh. to Tom Kane as Yoda, Corey Burton as Count Dooku, but no Matt Lanter as Anakin. And I'm not sure if the what the reason was to get a replacement for Anakin's voice in Filoni's Clone Wars, but I had to say they definitely made the right choice because this actor, while not horrible you could tell he was really trying to do kind of like a Hayden Christensen impression but a little more I don't know how to describe it but it wasn't necessarily the greatest at certain moments
1: yeah and it's funny because I think the the actor's name is uh, Matt Lucas and I think he uh, um, they actually did hire him on to do Anakin in the new Clone Wars series as well um, cause I remember hearing that like Matt, La- so Matt Lanter came on a little bit, like a few episodes into it. Um, and like for the first few episodes, he had to dub over what somebody else had done. Um, before he really got a- kind of got to make the character his own. Like they brought him in to replace somebody that else. That is
0: accurate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And well, and, Paloni- and I, and I remember, said that. He- yeah, I remember hearing that, but for a long time, we didn't know for sure who that actor was. And then I think it was on James Arnold Taylor's podcast that I was listening to, Within the past like year or two, and I think that was the first time I heard him confirm that it was uh, the same actor from the micro series. Okay, yeah, I they originally that. brought in, um, and yeah, because I mean, I, he does do a pretty good Hayden Christensen impression, but like you said, it 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 definitely sounds like like it's the opposite of like Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. Where he doesn't do a Harrison Ford impression, but like he does an excellent Han Solo impression, like he's he's nailing the character, not necessarily 100 percent mimicking the actor, whereas this guy sounds like he's just trying to do like a carbon copy like Hayden Christensen voice, and you can tell it's not Hayden Christensen, but it's like you know it sounds similar enough that it's like, oh, that's what he's going for um and obviously, they just decided they wanted to try something different with the character of Anakin and went with Matt Lander instead. Which, as you said, I think was
2: definitely the right choice. Yeah, and <laughs> we just passed that funny clone trooper moment. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs>
1: I do love that they, even though we never got to see Anakin's ship, we did get to see uh, the ship that Ventress is flying in the 3D Clone Wars series. Yeah. And they even gave her this same outfit, too, from the micro series. It was kind of like one last throwback to, uh, like, our classic introduction to Ventress before they steered her off on her completely different path.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And Anakin still being Anakin (laughs) in the series, too. This would have been a cool planet to visit in the Clone Wars, the Filoni Clone Wars, as well. Yeah. uh, I oh, both locations. I was mainly talking about uh, the one Anakin's going to the jungle planet, but even uh, the Mune's planet.
1: This... Well, the the jungle planet is Yavin
2: Four, is it? Yeah, oh, that's right. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay, you see the, a... you,
1: I mean, you got the, yeah. the temple ruins and the big gas giant up in the sky.
2: Did you forget yeah. that? Yeah, man. I'm like a newbie on this one. <laughs> oh since my since lord! Since
0: wow, like <laughs> did you know this is Tatooine? <laughs>
2: is it that i <laughs> yes! did, yeah. that I did
0: okay. know oh, no you did it stop lying no
2: i did i did because okay, you didn't even okay. said it in the beginning that's yeah. true Whoa, oh, that's
0: that's it
3: is. Yeah, that's
1: <laughs> you know what's funny <laughs> so obviously we always watch these with our sound off so we're not like picking up audio in the mic but i usually you know turn on the subtitles before we start The show is just so it's so visual focused and so just kind of fast paced fast like an action um action packed that like i forgot to turn the subtitles on at the beginning and i didn't even realize it until like halfway through like you were talking about something that dooku said like in the ventures part and i was like oh yeah i'm not actually seeing the subtitles i think it's it's a combination of the fact that like the story is so easy to just follow visually and the fact that even though i haven't watched these in years i watched them so many times back in the day that i You know, have a lot of it memorized, and so it's just like I don't need to hear it; I know what's going on.
2: Obviously, I'm going to be—I should have them on because I need a refresher (laughs) on certain things.
1: But yeah, I don't remember all the particular dialogue lines. I remember this thing was something from the. I think this showed up in another like comic or novel Dark or something called, like the the world devastator or it, something it like that. Like,
0: yeah, that's Dark Empire. Yeah. Oh, they, okay. They're they're it's more of a nod and a callback or call forward you could say cuz obviously the the world devastators are actually world de- the they're literal. It's they devastate worlds. They they wipe them out. They're kind of like a death star weapon. But they obviously use this as a, a inspiration for a design, which this obviously is then used again in the Clone War, or excuse me, in Rebels, actually. Um, this is where the Trandoshans, voiced by Seth Green, essentially is has not the same kind of thing, but it's oh, that's design. Right. It it's looks design- the same, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly it, it does
1: look kind of similar. But that's going well, around just like sucking up resources or something, right?
0: No, no, no. Right, right. But what I'm saying is they're, it was also influenced by yeah, the yeah, World yeah. Devastators. So it's basically the same thing. Like oh, okay. They're just a, a little bit different. Not, They're not actually World Devastators, but they're influenced by – heavily influenced and taken from those comic books that were World
3: Devastators.
1: Yeah. Mace Windu gets knocked around a bit, loses his lightsaber. Surrounded by 500 super battle droids, ain't no biggie.
2: <laughs> I remember just kind of getting some criticism on some Star Wars message boards. It's just about, speaking of OP'd, how <laughs> OP yeah. Mace Windu was here. And just kind of, wait, I mean, yeah, look what he does. Talk. Yeah, 360 <laughs>
1: degree force push and just toppling waves of droids like dominoes.
2: I remember some complaints saying how it just makes what we see in the movies seem like less impactful, as far as you know what Jedi can do, and versus to what we see in doing animation, and live action. But at this in this period of time, where you really just had to separate the two, as far as yeah what you can do in the different mediums and showing their different powers and abilities that Jedi's could and could not do.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, even before the three D Clone Wars came out, I never took this as like. 100% canon. Um, even, like, at the end of the second season when Mace uses, like, the Force Crush on Grievous's chest and he starts coughing and people are like... People would then watch Revenge of the Sith and go, oh, like, I know why Grievous has that cough. It's because what Mace Windu just did to him. And it's like, no, it's because when they... You know, design Grievous for the micro series, they were going off of early concept art for Revenge of the Sith and they didn't know that he was going to have a cough yet. And so then when they got to the end of the micro series and, you know, saw like the final designs for Revenge of the Sith, they're like, oh, shoot, we didn't make him cough. We need an explanation for that. Um, So that wasn't meant to be like the actual canon explanation.
2: And same I always like that
1: explanation, though. <laughs> I always he, went with it. Well, yeah, I don't know. Because there was other grievous backstory stuff in the comics and stuff, too. And so I never took that necessarily as um, like the absolute reason for it. But, I mean, same thing applies here with Mace Windu. Like, this is obviously a, a stylized version of events. You know, you're not watching Samuel L. Jackson in of the Sith going, Oh, one time that guy... You know, punched holes through 150 super battle droids without his lightsaber and, you know,
0: all that kind of stuff. Well, to be fair, I could have sworn that George Lucas actually was quoted as saying, you find out the reason that he, why he coughs in this series. I could have sworn oh, maybe. he said that.
2: He might have, because I was actually watching some of the documentaries before we started recording tonight. There was like two of them that were on this particular disc. But just how Lucas kept referring to, you know, the it, it's kind of strange. They're talking more, talking more mainly about volume two on this volume one disc. But Yeah, it's true. Said, yeah, Just saying how volume two really fills in fills in the gaps between episodes two and three and how that second volume leads directly into episode three. And it's nice that we get to see that. And this is coming directly from Lucas, too, not just Tartakovsky and the other animators and those who work on the show, but Lucas himself saying all this stuff. So maybe in a different interview, he did say something like that. But. He always thought of it, at least during this time period, that this was always in connection and a lead up to Revenge of the Sith.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, he obviously went back and changed a lot of that later anyways. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it's funny because, like, I feel like this stuff doesn't mean as much to George as it does to the rest of us anyways. Like, he's the same guy that said, you know, he sits in an interview with Jon Stewart and makes up on the spot, hey, Obi-Wan Kenobi's homeworld is the planet stu John." like... You know, I mean, obviously George creates all this stuff and it comes from his head and he gets the final say on it, or at least, you know, did at the time. But he also, you know, has kind of a a sense of humor and a uh, sort of that perspective that this is all just a fictional story, you know, at the end of the day that, you know, we don't need to get super hung up on the continuity and everything.
2: I love this sequence right here with luminara and beresafi and her create building her lightsaber on ilum uh-huh. just seeing the construction of it for the first time it blew me away seeing this when it first aired It was just really really cool just...
1: yeah our first look at ilum in the crystal caves and everything but
2: <laughs> the, the temple looks a lot different <laughs> in yeah the clone wars the 3d clone wars well well
0: it, i'm not sure I, i'm sorry I, I missed the last thing you guys might have said but this was the first time we got to see kind of what a lightsaber and a Jedi together. Yeah. Like it, that was really interesting to me. And I really liked that. I was like, Oh, so that's what they do for a lightsaber. And it kind of goes back to the ideas that George had a lot of the stuff, at least a, not maybe not from a continuity standpoint, but a lot of the lore of the Jedi, he had a lot of ideas of what he wanted them to be like Padawans, things like that. Like a lot of those things he had written down in his notebooks, I'm pretty sure, like right off the bat, um, Padawan was an early, early con- word that he used. He just didn't use it in the in the scripts because he didn't want to over, you know, overcomplicate everything. So yeah. that's why he never he never put that stuff in there. But Padawans, all that stuff, that's all in his original words and, and ideas that he had for like a long time. So I think that over the years, he really developed the Jedi and and what he wanted them to do for like for these kind of specific things. Again not story-based, but more of a structure-based, like, oh, Jedi's do this, and this is Mm -hmm. what they do, you know, that kind of thing. And that definitely developed. I mean, obviously, uh, I I was amazed that early concept artwork was of uh, Qui-Gon Jinn in, like, a Return of the Jedi outfit from Luke Skywalker, you know? And, like, that was originally going to, you know, he he then changed his mind, which I'm kind of glad he did, to be honest. Um, But... But yeah, like I thought, it was really really interesting. And, and but he's always had ideas. It's not like he makes that stuff that stuff of uh, stuff on on the spot. It's more of the things like, where is this person from? Like he doesn't care about that crap. He oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No,
1: no, no. That's what I'm saying is I'm not saying that he doesn't. No, no, no. no I'm not saying he yeah, doesn't plan stuff. I'm not saying he doesn't plan stuff out. I'm just saying there's little background details that fans get hung up on, and he'll be like, oh, I don't know, it's this.
0: No, 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 I know. I, I, and I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying, like, it's weird because, like, he, in some things, he's like, oh, like, this is really important. Other things, like, I don't really care. It's like, it's just weird that he'd care about the process of Jedi's, but not care where where a really important character comes from. It's just weird. (laughs) It's it's guess that's what
2: makes Lucas great too.
0: (laughs) No, right, right. Well, I guess for me, it's like if you're into one, you'd think you'd be into the other, but not George. George is only into that. It's just weird to me. It's it's weird.
1: I think it's just whatever he deems as necessary to the story.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Because it's not just Obi Wan. You know, we also still don't know like Yoda's home planet or Mace Windu's or you know anything like that. There's a lot of just background details that have never been filled in but that just aren't consequential to the story. Okay, yeah, see this is this is one that I need the subtitles for. But I know they're talking about (laughs) going to Ilum and Captain Typho doesn't want to and then Yoda's like we're gonna oh I think Yoda mind tricks him, doesn't he? Yeah.
2: I remember right like these this whole first volume these chapters they weren't aired all the way through from the beginning to end what's on this disc there is a little bit of a gap yeah. um, between these because was almost like the second volume is season three this is right now what we're watching is actually season two at least when they were first coming out and what they were referred to because there was a pretty big gap between the first batch of chapters that we got on this disc to what we're seeing now huh. I remember these ones being different because they did focus on more different characters like padme and luminara barris and yoda in this in these batch of episodes and how different they were from the first ones but again it does it isn't just nice to have them all played out in one big story on the disc or you don't even realize that or <laughs> that, yeah, that's how I mean, it was aired back in 2002 2003 during this time
1: yeah don't necessarily notice the episode breaks
2: I always like this outfit Yoda had with his cloak and hood on and the little space for his ears to come out of it as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and they've got that in Battlefront too. Actually, I'm not even sure if I ever thought about the like his hooded outfit in Battlefront being a throwback to this. Because this is really the only time as far as like on screen yeah. stories where you see Yoda with a hood on.
2: Yeah. This is another little sequence I kind of forgot about as well. I remember this episode of them freeing Luminara and Barris, but this little skirmish that Yoda has against these droids. Cool to see, too. Uh-huh. So the exterior of the temple on Ilum looks kind of similar to what we saw in Clone Wars. Probably not exactly, but more so than what the inside definitely looks like to what we know it to be now. Yeah. Definitely not as majestic as the interior of the temple is in the 3D Clone Wars.
1: Yeah, but, you know, cool to see like the early versions of those ideas and then how they expanded on them later. Mm Mm-hmm. Cause obviously they didn't really have to do much uh in the temple here aside from obviously just have some crystals in there and show Luminar and Barris building their lightsaber. That almost looks like this version of it looks more like a standard kind of like what a Jedi temple on an ice planet would look like, and then I think they just got a little more creative with it, um in the uh in the later Clone War series where you know, you don't just go there and pluck out a crystal, but that there's all these different caves and tunnels and stuff where the Padawan's going to have to go on a trial to get what they're looking for. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I remember back in the day, everybody being obsessed with this Padme outfit, too. Why? I don't know, but I remember back, like, around the time of, like, Revenge of the Sith and, like, You know, kind of like those mid-2000s, I remember seeing a lot of, like, cosplays of that and stuff.
3: Hmm.
0: Interesting.
1: Not like I was, you know, specifically looking for them or anything.
2: Sure. You mean you didn't cosplay in that outfit, Kyle?
1: No, no, no. Not like like (laughs) 14-year-old me had a mad crush on Padme or anything like that.
3: Are you
0: saying you had a mad crush on Padme? Of course I did. Yeah, I I, I did. I never really developed a crush for Padme.
2: <laughs> Is Padme casually using three PO as bait to get her? Go? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, this puts him weird. right in the blast radius of the grenade. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> He'll be fine.
1: He's got
3: plot I guess, on I guess
2: she, Yeah, I guess she knows Anakin could always easily repair him and put him back together. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, see, this one's going on longer than I remember. <laughs> well, I think this was two episodes. Might have been two or three. I think it might have been three. Hmm. Because we had Luminara and Barriss get trapped in the caves and had Yoda's battle and now this one with Padme.
1: Yeah, but I think the Luminara and Barriss fighting in the cave, I don't think that was the whole episode. Like I think you see them get trapped and then you see uh, Yoda answering their call for help and that's all like in the same episode. And then we find out Dooku was behind it all along.
2: What a shock. <laughs> Dooku.
0: Oh, it's that plant you forgot.
2: That's that new planet that I was showed up in the yep. animated Clone Wars. It was really cool if it came in a movie, too. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, you know, there, I think there's an
1: Easter egg <laughs> where you actually see this in A New Hope somewhere. No. Oh, my God. Okay. Was no it idea. a special
2: edition? uh Enhancement oh, that they made. It, <laughs> it was in so some out. of the. It
1: was in some of the special edition shots. Yes.
2: Okay, I have to go back and check it out. <laughs> I feel like such an idiot for not remembering that. <laughs>
3: oh, <stop. laughs> the big deal
2: But it does look great in this animation style too.
1: Yeah, yes, it does.
2: This definitely Yeah. No this
1: this definitely like just this whole thing overall holds up really well visually too. Um yeah. you know watching something yeah. from watching something from two thousand three in D V D quality on my now fifty five inch four K screen, it doesn't look, you know, dated or like bad quality or anything
0: like that. No, it looks great. Yeah. It looks at uh, my yeah, my four K screen, it looks great.
2: Yeah, just imagine how much bigger it look in HD.
0: <laughs> if only. I love, this is probably my favorite one of this, of this disc. Yeah, this is pretty, to be quite cool. honest.
1: Pretty cool how, uh. You know, Ventress just starts picking them off one by one with the force yeah, powers. Pretty brutal. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: She just lands and them into those trees. Mm-hmm.
1: This would be so much fun to be able to do in a video game. Like, imagine if they combined like Jedi Fallen Order with like Assassin's Creed, where you could do where it was like a stealth-based game, but you could perform like like force takedowns on stormtroopers while you're hidden in cover.
2: Yeah, that could be something they can implement in the Jedi Fallen Order sequel.
1: Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome.
2: It makes more sense, especially in that era, too, where Jedis are trying to stay hidden. Yeah, in fact, that's
1: kind of more what I thought Jedi Fallen Order might be before, you know, we really knew much about it. Um, Because obviously we knew it was going to be a lightsaber action game, but I was like, well, how much are you going to be running around with a lightsaber out during that time period when the whole Empire is hunting for you? See, that's why it wasn't R2, because they had to sacrifice the <laughs> droid. Makes sense. Anakin usually takes R2 along with him,
2: so he wouldn't have been there anyway.
1: But I was so sad that that ship got blown up. Although I think in the comics <laughs> it comes back, because it's called the like the Azure Angel, and I know there's an Azure Angel 1 and an Azure Angel 2.
0: Are you an angel? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's why you named
3: it. <laughs> yeah. You're
2: going back to... Ventures' introduction and her conversation with dooku her i just liked how she was claiming to already be a sith in that moment and how yeah. dooku was saying it takes a lot more <laughs> than to, to use the dark side to be considered a sith and just really kind of especially in this period when it was airing when the prequel trilogy wasn't done yet about what it takes to be a sith and kind of fully establishing that rule of two that was just introduced a couple of years ago with the phantom menace and this how there might have been some dark side users who think they're with the dark side that automatically makes them a Sith. And just even for fans in general, just associating the word Sith with anyone who uses the dark side, but how that's not the case. And this is kind of one of those early examples where it's shown to you in an actual story that you just can't use the dark side and call yourself a Sith. There's a special, specific yeah. type of training you have to go through and to be considered a Sith.
1: Yeah. And in those old Clone Wars comics and stuff, they had a lot more like, fallen Jedi and like dark side acolytes and stuff like that. But yeah, Ventress is obviously kind of like the prime example of a dark side user. Who's not a Sith Lord. Mm-hmm. And then of course, now we've got the inquisitors and everything. And I think that's kind of even yeah. more of a familiar concept, but, but man, I always loved this lightsaber duel. Just, you know, again, just the the style and the pace of it, and just the that cool backdrop of them fighting through the trees and everything. And again, it's it's yeah. very like kind of stylized for this animation style. Like you wouldn't have a uh, well, I was gonna say you wouldn't have a lightsaber fight in the movies where they're like fighting each other while swinging on vines from trees. And I'm like, well, they <laughs> they kind of do that in Revenge of the Sith, but. Um, still it's very much you know just fits with this whole you know style and tone of the uh, the animated series that they're going for here but it's a very cool fight yeah love the music too
2: and yeah, that jungle setting it just makes for a great backdrop for this yeah lightsaber duel to happen. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I love this this is a great lightsaber scene maybe yeah. one of the most underrated lightsaber uh, animated or live action lightsaber fights
1: yeah yeah, just I mean, one that people don't talk about much nowadays. Yeah, it's great.
0: I love
2: when the rain shows up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: The raindrops falling on the lightsabers. Just, looks yes. awesome to like the smoke yeah, come
0: out. Here it comes. Oh, so good.
2: And that <clears throat> was something I was <throat> like, remember being kind of hyped about with episode two and the rain battle on Kamino with Django Fett how we'd kind of see that effect on the lightsabers, but we never really got that or wasn't really shown in detail how it is here. It looked awesome right here. <laughs> it would have been cool to kind of see that smoke effect come out coming out of Obi-Wan's lightsaber in the beginning of that Jango fight.
1: Yeah, and it's just cool seeing the progression of the fight here with like, you know, Anakin getting all tattered and like the, just the different environments they go through where they're outdoors here and then in a minute they'll be inside the temple.
2: Yeah, there's a great moment, too, that I love when they're in the temple. Yeah. That Anakin goes.
1: And I think through probably these whole... Because this fight alone, I think, is like three or four episodes, and it's like no dialogue.
2: Yep. Mm -hmm. All you really need is that lightsaber sound, so... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, the, the lighting of it, like this, so cool to see the blue glow of the lightsaber being the only color while he's in that temple. This visually, this looks so awesome.
1: Yeah, and then the lighting on their faces right there with the close-up.
2: Yeah. Yeah, this is a really well-staged, well-directed,
0: mm-hmm. everything
2: uh-huh. <laughs> battle.
0: Yeah. No, I told you, it's it's a, it's it's underrated, man. it, it yeah. definitely is not held in the best or in the highest regard, which is unfortunate.
2: Oh, man, (laughs) that Anakin just crushed her. This move right here where she uses the force and Anakin just takes it and just continues plowing through. That's Uh. just awesome.
1: Actually, now that I think about it, back in my parents' house, I still have an art print of uh, – it's from a comic artist, Joe Caroni, who does a lot of Star Wars stuff that I got from him at a convention one time. And it's a print of basically this lightsaber fight here with the two of them on top of the temple. Um,
2: Cue the Duel of the face music right here too. Yeah. <laughs> that was a nice touch. And, of course, we get the
1: foreshadowing of Anakin with the red lightsaber. (laughs) And it's cool because, like, obviously, as far as, like, thematic storytelling and where we know Anakin's story goes, this is, like, a little on the nose, but it still works.
2: Oh, totally. Even those quick little flashes we get of Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Yoda there. Yeah. Small little touches like that. Yeah, that was great. Mm Mm-hmm. See I think this is one of the moment that if you wanted to you could still kind of put in your headcanon if you want <laughs> where uh-huh. there's not really that anything that contradicts it from what we've seen in Clone Wars. Right.
1: Yeah cuz even in the uh again even in the EU stuff just the novels and the comics that take place after this um, from like the old Dark Horse stuff back in the day, like Ventress survives that fall. Like that's not the mm-hmm. last time you see her. It's the last time you see her in the micro series. But again, there's stories that take place after this part of the timeline where Ventress is still around. So, and obviously in wasn't
0: uh, huh? Good, sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, I, I um, was just gonna
1: say, and then in the in the uh, the newer Clone Wars animated series, um, you know, the first time they encounter Ventress is on Christophsis. But you get the feeling that like that's not the first time she and Anakin have encountered each other before. Um, yeah, you know, right. there's not ever really an episode where it's like, Oh, we're meeting Asajj Ventress for the, for the first time. So there's definitely kind of room for this to still be like an unofficial part of her backstory.
3: Yeah.
1: And I was going to say, Oh, I'm l-
3: sorry. L- l- I interrupted l- you, Paul. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. It was, I'm sorry. Really quick. I just wanted to say that, that, uh, wolf guy, Uh, lightsaber or with a green lightsaber. Apparently, and I I've probably brought this up multiple shows. That was a contest that fans could vote for an alien. Oh, really? I don't remember. Yeah, he and he. I was told this because. Yeah, uh, no, I I
1: heard. I remember hearing the same thing that there was some kind of fan contest where it was either like designed by a fan or it was just they let the fans vote on which one they wanted to see.
0: alien. Yeah. Yeah, it was an alien, and apparently he won. Because my, my friend Dave was telling me about – he was telling me that what he heard about it and, and there that – uh, Jen, uh ter- oh my gosh, I can't say his name. Jendi ap- apparently was bummed that he won because he wanted a hammerhead to win, uh. which is
1: – Well, he got in his hammerhead in season two.
2: I remember this episode being so hyped because of who we're going to see in this. (laughs) Yep. And it did not disappoint, but I know later on, others felt disappointed with the character later. But (laughs) (laughs) it's a whole other discussion. But Yeah. I just remember the build-up to this whole... um... The final episode of this season of Clone Wars is going to showcase the new villain for episode three. And we just got a little glimpses and teases of him at this point. So this was a, a big deal, a really big deal, I remember. And just the build up to his appearance and how he makes his presence known, it was, I just thought it was really well done, just building up the tension of just what type of folk General Grievous is going to be. I thought it was really well done. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see how if you saw this before Revenge of the Sith and this was your first introduction to Grievous, and you were expecting this to be how he was in the movie, that you might be kind of let down by it.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's come. That's why I'm curious. I don't remember. Like, obviously, Lucas gave him the okay. You know, introduce Grievous in this animated series is going to be cool. But just if he knew they were going to go this route and take him this far with what he can do from what he had in mind or if if that surprised him or if he was just okay with it and would be fine not doing the same thing in the movie i'm just kind of wondering if well he felt they went too far or not with, uh, with how they portrayed grievous here
1: yeah i think i mean obviously like george gave the sign off on this but at the same time i know he wasn't as involved in this as he was with like the the Clone Wars stuff with Dave, like you know where he was working yeah, side by side with Dave and giving him all the story ideas and stuff. I think this was more just like him kind of signing off on stuff that came across his desk or maybe having a few meetings or something. Because I I specifically remember like the discrepancies between this version of Grievous and what they saw in the movie is that they just saw like the artists working on this show saw like early concepts of Grievous and like that's all they had to go off of because they were designing you know, they were making this in like 2002, 2003, whatever. So it was still early in production on Revenge of the Sith. Um, And so I don't know if like George gave the sign off on it and then just changed his ideas later, or if they were just, cause I'm sure like, again, if George is in the middle of making Revenge of the Sith at the time, maybe he wasn't like super involved in that process. And he was like, yeah, it's close enough. You guys mm-hmm. go do your thing. Um, yeah. So it just obviously didn't completely line up in the end, but
0: well, let's be real. What what is what does uh, George's history tell us? Uh, he changes his mind all the time. So <laughs> yeah. let's. It's probably what but, ended up happening.
2: Yeah, he could have just all of a sudden think. You know what? I want Grievous to be more of that truly mustache cowardly villain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you see in movies all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, okay.
3: Who
1: apparently again, is I love this Still build up. a good enough fighter to, you know, have killed a bunch of Jedi's and taken all those lightsabers from them.
3: So. Yeah.
2: And again, it's just really crazy. It's great to see that look of terror and fear on the Jedi that we haven't really seen before because of Grievous. And the like, he just stomps that Jedi right there. <laughs> yeah, the one that's but... supposed to be
1: based on Shaggy from Scooby-Doo.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Grievous' voice here mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, it's totally different, but it's still... I believe it's John DiMaggio who did his voice here, who's a pretty well-known voice actor.
0: Oh, the guy! He, wait, the guy who did Joker in the Red uh,
2: Red Hood,
0: Red Hood series. Yeah.
2: Uh-huh.
0: What? He's great, man. His Joker is so good. Yeah.
2: Sorry, I just seen that for the first uh, time. Like,
0: wow. Yeah. Uh, it's so TikTok from Return to Oz.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was like so TikTok. I haven't seen anybody doing that on TikTok. Oh God. <laughs>
2: and he's using his feet to hold the lights there. I was just like, man, this is the craziest and coolest Star Wars villain yet, and mm-hmm. hes I can't wait to see this in live action.
0: <laughs> hey, it worked for me in live action.
2: It did, but yeah. at the same time, I couldn't help but think, being honest, when I first saw that battle as far as, I don't want to say disappointed, but just kind of, it just wasn't what I was expecting as far as what we've known, what we saw Grievous could do in this series. we didn't see him do that though (laughs) it looked cool yeah
0: poor shock (laughs) T yeah
1: he puts a hurting on these guys Oh, I always oh, thought this so was good. so funny, where he's just yep. <laughs> balancing on the one foot.
3: <laughs> oh, that's so good right here.
0: Yeah. Oh, what a way to end it. It is a great shot, how they end it. hmm
1: Oh, yeah. See, I forgot that that's how it ends right there. But, yeah, that's because oh. season two picks up with the ARC Troopers like rescuing him. Yeah, that's
2: a cool sequence, too.
1: And, yeah, I still love that to death
2: hmm
1: yeah oh yeah where they got that shark gunship? yeah yeah man they had some cool designs in here that's it they
3: did they did
1: all right, right. well that's it for uh season one of the micro series that was a lot of fun it was
2: good to 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 revisit it
1: i'll have to remember to turn my uh subtitles on for season two when we come back and do that especially because i feel like consistent i feel like season two is a little more dialogue and story heavy you're
0: right that is true it is Um, a lot more heavy
1: yeah and and it's a little bit more of a focused story it doesn't bounce around quite as much to like kit fisto and mace windu and all those guys but um yeah yeah, this was, is this was a lot of fun, though. It takes me back to my uh, my high school years, right around that time that Revenge of the Sith came out. Like I said, I don't think I saw this for the first time until after Revenge of the Sith, but I think it was within that same year. Um, yeah. But it was all just part of the, the hype of that time period for me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just remember this as being a fun time period because... The waits back then sent like forever, especially in particular the gap between episodes two and three, just knowing episode three was going to be it for Star Wars at the time. And we were going to see Anakin become Darth Vader. It is how we've been waiting to see that all our lives as Star Wars fans. So it just sent that wait sent longer to me <laughs> than all the rest, but getting this Mike Clone Wars micro series in between to fill in the gaps was really, really cool. Again, it was something that, was unprecedented at the time for me as a star wars fan getting to see it on tv i just remember thinking as i was watching the series man this would be probably one of my favorite animated shows ever if it was just done in longer lengths like a regular animated tv show would be if we got a clone wars series like that man it'd be amazing and we eventually did get it (laughs) but it was obviously a different style but it ended up being just as as amazing as i knew a full-length clone wars animated series would be but it got off to a great start with this one. And as we talked about, there's some aspects of that I love so much about it that I think should still be incorporated into the canon at some point. And I really do think um, Dave Filoni and others who are involved with the animated stuff have the respect and show the respect for the series where they do leave the door open and plant little seeds there to where certain events from this series could be in the canon. And yeah, I hope that's the case because... That's how Lucas was treating it. Again, I mentioned some of those documentaries and special features on the disc. Lucas was treating this as part of the story. I mean, hearing it come from his mouth, saying that this fills in the gap of the Clone Wars because I didn't have time to show it in Episode 2 and Episode 3. So this is the purpose of this series, to show that. And it's perfect to watch right before Episode 3. And I do think there's a lot of aspects of there that still hold up for that to be the case. But yeah, it's still great. It's still holds up really well on its own, but at the same time, you could still uh, put it in your Star Wars headcanon if you do that or like to do that in certain instances. But it was just great to revisit it. As I said before, it's been a long time since I've seen this all the way through. I think we talked about it before we recorded, but when I do go back, it's usually the second volume I watch the most just because of how it leads into episode three and some of the really great moments we get in there. But this one had a lot of them too that um, it was just great to revisit and be reminded of of just how some of the great Star Wars content we were getting back in the early two thousands. So yeah, this was a lot of fun. I just really enjoyed watching these again. Yeah. Super
1: cool. Yeah, definitely. Um well, we I guess we haven't officially decided yet, but you know, our might as well for our next episode come back and do season two. Um, yeah we'll see if any, I'm ready for it yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll see if any news drops before then or anything that we got to talk about but um, and of course like I said the nice thing about having this just be a a short like one hour the whole season being an, an hour long is we can talk about news or have another discussion and then do this at the end kind of like we did with this one so um but uh yeah hope you guys have enjoyed it um hope you got to watch along with us and if not hope you at least enjoyed hearing us talk about it. Um, but, yeah, it was fun to to go back and revisit some uh, 2003 Clone Wars. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll be back with more. But before we head out, uh, Tim, I know we got a couple comments and stuff about this when you posted about it on Twitter earlier. So what do we got from the listeners about the Clone Wars micro series?
2: Yeah, just kind of echoing our thoughts, just how great the series was at the time. I know Hassan Scarborough at Fetmatic says – you know, Greenheart <laughs> the series. That Rich Brockwell says, loved again this series. It's really cool. And then Derek Beebe says, I love the micro series. It's just so insane. Season two was the best because it had more of a narrative and showed us what happened right before Revenge of the Sith. But better yet, this is the only time Grievous got to be badass. <laughs> so, as we talked about here. So, yeah, just a lot of great memories. I think a lot of fans who watched this at the time uh, got to remember. So, yeah. the I think our... Remembrance and reverence for the series that we were talking about and how it still holds up is echoed by a lot of fans who saw it there, So, which is really cool to see.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it'll be fun to – I mean we can kind of talk about this once we've done season two because it's been a while since I've watched that one too. So I won't give a verdict yet on which one I think is better. But um, this one definitely has at least some particular moments that I still – love and that like when I like when I think Clone Wars Micro series, I think of Anakin and that Starfighter, I think of the Arc Troopers, I think of that duel with Anakin and Ventress on Yavin. So I still think this uh you know this first season has some of the best moments of the whole show. Um but season two obviously has some great stuff as well and we will uh get to talk all about that next time so um that's going to do it for now as always uh you know thank you to you guys that chimed in with your thoughts on twitter and if you wanted to join the discussion with us as well you can follow us on twitter at star wars tsc you can check out our facebook at facebook.com star wars the saga continues you can send us email at star wars tsc at gmail.com and you can check out our website at star wars tsc.com to find all of our latest episodes and news stories and all that good stuff over there um of course, be sure to check out uh, thunderquack.com for all the awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network, including Rebel Cells, which I will also be joining uh, as a host uh, this summer coming up when The Bad Batch airs. I'll be on there with uh, Mike and Joe Hogan, and we'll be talking about um, all the episodes of The Bad Batch weekly. So uh, nice. that'll be fun as well. Um, of course, I'll still be on here doing my thing with you guys, and we'll be you know talking about it as well, but we don't record every week, and we won't be covering every episode. So... Um, if you want to hear me talk more Bad Batch, you'll get uh, just a double dose of that. So um, that'll be a good time. But um, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. And may the Force be with you.
2: See you next time, everybody. God, Bye. come on!